In today's episode, Dr. Keshi discusses some fundamental components of maintaining a rational relationship with food, eating, and your body. Dr. Keshi gives insight-filled self-assessment tools for impulsivity, guilt, burnout, and procrastination. The output of these assessments translate right into practical ways to resolve them. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. Now, there are three things, three things a person is better off focusing on to be rational and constructive with food, eating, and their body so that they can get more of what they want, less of the other crap, which means they can overcome the obstacles in their path under any circumstances. Time to hop to it, okay? Number one. Number one, big fat S. Life's stimuli. All right? The next thing is your responses to those stimuli. What is the third thing? The outcomes of those responses. Okay? You know the outcomes of those responses can be constructive or destructive. And a destructive outcome... You guessed it. A destructive outcome, oh, acts as its own frustrating stimulus. All right? Whereas a constructive outcome prepares you for new, more challenging stimuli. So it can go down in another S down there. Okay? If you want to focus on being rational and constructive with food eating your body, then you can get more of, more of the stuff you want, avoid, shrink, and resolve the other crap, and overcome all the obstacles in your path under any circumstance, okay? Life stimuli, your responses to those stimuli, and the outcomes of those responses. With that in mind, with that in mind, rate the following character traits about yourself on a scale of 0 to 100, okay? Where 0 is the furthest possible from how I act, and 100 is the closest possible to how I act, okay? I tend to I tend to think and act impulsively. I frequently act on my urges and I get easily frustrated when I actively restrain myself. Zero to a hundred, right? I tend to feel guilty when I act selfishly, but I get hollow and burned out when I constantly do things for other people. Zero to a hundred. I tend to procrastinate. Zero to a hundred, right? Now that you have this down, as you go through your days, you're typically focused on doing the stuff you set out to do, right? Seems reasonable enough. This has measurable usefulness going out to do things you set out to do. It also has an interesting cost. Uh, an, an interesting cost that's, that's easy for practically anyone to overlook. When you tie your attitude, when you tie your attitude, your worth, and your opinion of yourself to checking off those boxes, to checking off those boxes you make to solve your problems and to reach your goals, you're gambling your mind and body away. You're gambling it away. Why? Because even if you act perfectly, even if you act perfectly, the empirical, the measurable result of your behavior is still ultimately left up to probability. You could do the same thing a hundred times and get a variety of results, even if you act the exact same way multiple times. Okay? To some degree, there is chance. To some degree, there's probability. Therefore, complete control over what happens is a distortion. And as a result, you therefore have some degree of influence over a result, high or low, right? Influence, which you can, well, influence. You can stack the deck in your favor. Does that guarantee control? No. Does it improve your probability of, of an outcome? 
Yes, absolutely. So this is this is what we're talking about. Case in point, a while back, great while back, Dr. Cashy went to the gym. He does that once in a while. Why? Well, the objective, the objective was to do some squats, get the squats on. Why? Because for whatever reason, Dr. Cashley wants to make sitting down and standing up far more difficult for himself. Anyway, when he got to the gym, when he got to the gym, there was somebody else in the squat rack, all right? Already, S, somebody else is in the squat rack. Frustrating stimulus, minor stimulus, okay, but a frustrating stimulus nonetheless, reasonable. Easily responded to, easily responded to in a rational and constructive way. Lots of different things you can do to, to shrink uh, to shrink avoid or overcome that stimulus. All right. Now, and, and that would end up, you know, resulting chances are in a constructive outcome, right? But hold the phone, hold the phone. This guy was curling in the squat rack. This guy was curling in the squat rack. And that curling in the squat rack is almost universally considered poor gym etiquette. Almost universally considered poor gym etiquette. I looked over and whispered to myself, he is making me mad. He is making me mad. But did it make me mad? Did it make me mad? This guy squatting in the squat rack, did that make me mad? Huh? But did it? This is what Dr. Ellis calls jumping from A to C. I'm literally saying that the stimulus, the person in the squat rack, made me mad. Destructive outcome at O. But I'm totally leaving out the response part. Okay? What part is that? Where I make myself mad. Aha. Uh -huh. All right? Think about it this way. So if, if a person was in the squat rack doing squats, Dr. Cashy would have been slightly irritated, but fine. But since this person was curling in the squat rack, Dr. Cashy took it upon himself to take that initial minor frustration and took it upon himself to say some choice things in his old noggin and take that frustration, exaggerate that frustration, and then use that to frustrate himself even further. He became frustrated about a frustration. He was going to go to fool for Carolina. You know, like that's what happens. You know, do you know what this means? That frustration turned into anger. I turned that minor annoyance, that minor frustration, a reasonable and motivating feeling into anger. A harmful and self-defeating feeling. And as the wise sage Yoda would say, anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. This all happened in about 2.5 seconds. And Desiree looked over. She saw the veins bulging out of my forehead as I was indulging in some choice morbid fantasies of the Iron Gods striking this person down as, as he flopped his noodle arms in the squat rack. Is this frustration about frustration? Or anger useful in this situation or any situation? Ultimately, no. Ultimately, no. So what's the ticket to maintaining a rationally constructive approach to life's frustrations? Well, when you're making an inference about an event, right, if there's a frustrating stimulus, the space between stimulus and response is where you have your thoughts, where you have your feelings, where you have your urges, where you make inferences, you tell yourself a story about what's happening, okay? Take stock in the reality of the situation, what's really happening. You're blocked from something you want. That's something you do know. You encounter a frustrating stimulus. That's it. Many of the other details about the frustrating stimulus, you leverage, in this case I leveraged, to give myself permission 
to indulge in impulsive and self-sabotaging responses that are, thus, almost indubitably leading to destructive outcomes at O, which then act as their own frustrating stimuli again. So where does Desiree, where does Mrs. Cashy fit into this story? Okay, as I was coaching myself through this, Desiree was already at the rack having a pleasant conversation with the guy. Bless her. She already suggested he move somewhere else, and he was already curling somewhere else, leaving the squat rack empty just for me. I was so worked up, I neglected to notice that the squat rack was empty, ready to receive my my gratuitously difficult sit-down, stand-up knee bends. I was still worked up about the floppy arm day hole curling in the squat rack that I, I completely ignored that the squat rack was open for me to use. See? Many people, when they set out to do something or to get what they want, they have an underlying or else. Or else. That's what I'm talking about here. Or else. What does that mean? Okay? They have an, they have an underlying or else governing the impulsive, the impulsive responses at R. Does that make sense? I'll get into, I'll get into that in a second, okay? <laughs> I'm going to the gym to do squats, or else. Or else it'll be a horrible workout. I can't stand it, and that guy's a noodle-armed a-hole. If, instead, you actively change your underlying or else, you actively change the underlying or else to an and, the and gives you more options. The or else, that's the psychological binary. It's this or that, one or zero, good or bad, black or white. That or else is dangerous. And, and, and gives you options. And gives you options. And then you'll skyrocket your tolerance to frustration. And you'll be able to, when you are stimulated, keep your cool to have a reasonable response. Does that make sense? It's super important, okay? <laughs> Have a reasonable response during times you feel the urge to cut a fool, okay? And if instead of cutting a fool, you act reasonably, well, then the chances of you having a constructive outcome go up, <laughs> and which means you can take on bigger and better things. Now, I'm going to the gym to squat, and somebody will probably abuse the squat rack while I'm there. Okay. Now, if you think in those terms and somebody is abusing the squat rack, well, are you going to work yourself up into a tizzy and want to cut a fool? Maybe, but the chances of it are a little bit lower. <laughs> by changing this or else, by changing this or else into an and, okay, you will practically always have a more rational perspective on your frustrating stimulus because you give yourself that wiggle room than the black and white or else wiggle room, which is zero. Okay, where you only have two options, the perfect option or the terrible, horrible option. Is it a good idea to want to do what you set out to do? Yes. Duh. Okay. Do you have influence over whether you do what you set out to do? Yes, you do. Do you have complete control over doing what you set out to do under the conditions you want to do it? No. Negative. Is it a good idea to demand that you must have to need to do what you set out to do? No. Now, why? Because if you demand or command that you must have to or need to check off that box, then you automatically create your underlying or else. I must do this thing. I have to. I need it. Or else. Or else. Or else. Okay? That underlying or else is what gives you leverage. 
it gives you permission to turn a relatively minor hassle into an overwhelming disaster. And what does that do? It shrinks your rational brain. It shrinks the space between stimulus and response. And it grows your impulsive brain. You know what that means? It means it's harder to do smart stuff and easier to do dumb stuff. At R. Dumb stuff that's going to cause you even more frustration because it's probably self-sabotaging and destructive, acting as its own frustrating stimulus. Dig it? Dig it? Okay? If you go to a place and people are doing people stuff and you get mad at people doing people stuff, how do you suppose you could ever give yourself a chance of being rational and constructive about anything? Hmm? People are going to do people stuff. If you get mad about it, people are going to do people stuff if you ignore it. Which situation is more likely to lead you to a constructive outcome, to a reasonable and rational response, to having a relatively minor frustration that you can overcome? <laughs> which, which perspective is going to get you there, you know? An outcome that increases your tolerance to life's frustrations to get you more of what you want more often, faster, and keeping it. There will practically always be a person curling in the proverbial squat rack. Give you crap for eating differently. Cutting you off in traffic. Pushing alcohol on you. Chewing and slurping loudly. Calling you boring or obsessed because you want to make yourself better. Clipping your toenail, clipping their toenails at the pool, right? There's always going to be people doing people stuff. There will practically always be frustrating stimuli that seem to beg, plead, goad, and coerce you into sabotaging responses to make destructive outcomes for yourself. The point is to have an idea of the sort of obstacles you'll come up against before you decide to plow the road and check off your boxes. If you do that, then you'll be in a position to have more rational responses to your reasonably frustrating stimuli. Why? Because you keep yourself from taking a reasonably frustrating stimuli, frustrating yourself about it, becoming frustrated about your frustration, becoming mad, and then acting a fool. Which is destructive and that will give you a destructive outcome at O. Okay? With that in mind, again, rate the following character traits about yourself on a scale from 0 to 100. Where? Where? Zero is the furthest possible from how I act, and a hundred is the closest possible to how I act, right? Where I tend to think and act impulsively. I frequently act on my urges and get easily frustrated when I actively restrain myself. Zero to a hundred. I tend to feel guilty when I act selfishly, but I get hollow and burned out when I constantly do things for other people. Zero to a hundred. I tend to procrastinate. Zero to a hundred. It does make a big difference. Thank you for learning. Stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Cashy? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Cashy is out. <laughs>